Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast, brought to you by Scoop News Group. The first six months for Pennsylvania's digital services team, Massachusetts' approach to citizen services, and closing the digital divide in North Carolina. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state, in the local world, and learn about the latest news and industry trends. I'm your host, Sophia Foxowell. Here's what's happening this week. The North Texas Municipal Water District recently suffered a cybersecurity incident that disrupted its operations and phone system. A cybercrime group known as the Dyson Team claimed responsibility for the attack and reportedly stole more than 33,000 files containing customer information from the utility. The incident reportedly did not affect core water, wastewater, or solid waste services. Vermont has a new deputy secretary for its Agency for Digital Services. Andrea De La Brewer will take on the role. She reports to state CIO Denise Riley-Hughes and joins the agency from the state's Medicaid and Health Insurance Exchange Administrator. The National Association of State CIOs is drawing attention to the need for statewide digital accessibility coordinators across the country, according to a new report. The demand for digital services has grown in recent years. So too has the number of Americans over the age of 16 with at least one disability. That parallel growth, Nasio says, highlights the need for leaders within state IT agencies to lead digital accessibility efforts. You can find links to today's top stories in the show notes and more industry news at statescoop.com. It's been a little more than six months since Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro created the Commonwealth Office of Digital Experience, or Code PA. The new office is tasked with improving the state's digital services. The first executive director for the office is Brianna Pardo. She tells State Scoop's Keeley Quinlan about the wild ride of the last six months. So it's been a wild ride. I I really didn't know what to expect coming into this position. I think um, when I was working in healthcare, I sort of understood the rules of the road and the scope and what we were talking about. And government is just so big and the scope of this role is so big. So I think the first six months have really just been trying to absorb not only where code PA could be beneficial, but also everything that will go into that. So when we think about building these cross-agency experiences, which is really a a huge priority for the governor and making it easier for people to not have to understand the inside baseball of government in order to engage with us, um, there's just much more complexity than I ever could have imagined. And it's sort of unpacking that and learning about the role of policy and legislature and the work that we do and who the partners and allies are that really are putting the consumer at the front of the experience. And so um, it's been a lot of listening and a lot of reading. Um, we love a good memo in government. <laughs> and so um, it's it's been really, really exciting. And I think what what has me so motivated going forward is we're sort of planning like what is 2024? What is the next five years for Code PA? Uh, we're really starting to be able to articulate like who we are, what we're doing, and the actual path to get there, um, which is exciting and overwhelming, but really, really cool. And I think the goal of where we're going is not 
dissimilar from other states, not what other parts of the government are trying to do. But I will say these massive boulders are things that we have identified of things like data sharing priorities and how we figure out identity and access management in a meaningful, equitable way. Um, but what I will say is we have an administration that is supporting us to say, no, tackle the boulders. Like we're here to help you and support you in getting that done. So now it's just taking those big boulders and like picking away at them to figure out how to actually get there. I don't know. That was a rambly way of saying it's been a good six months. <laughs> no, I, I picked up on that. Um, it just sounds like there's just so much opportunity um, too. And I know that you guys have been hiring for Code PA for these six months. So would you mind talking about that and you know what your team looks like now? Totally. So we have scaled out our team pretty significantly as, and it all falls under a few core verticals. So we've got operations and procurement that really think about how we can innovate in the procurement space and, you know, help keep the team building and growing in those ways too. We've got front-end and back-end development where we're not only hiring developers, but also quality engineers. We've got user experience research and user experience design. Those two areas, we've really pulled a lot of different individuals from private sector to come into public sector. And so they've brought a really cool flavor to what government applications can look like and how we're prioritizing research at the front of our efforts and initiatives. And then we've got uh, product management too. And so product management in government space is sort of a new concept but a, an, an old habit. People have fallen into these positions, but the idea and scope of what a product manager is, um, is something that we're trying to more clearly articulate and then scale throughout the enterprise. So when we think about things like permits, every agency does permits. I never thought I would talk more about permits in my whole life, but here we are. We love a good permit. And um, so thinking about how we imagine from a consumer perspective, from a business or a resident, okay, I need a permit. Where do I even begin? Um, and then wrapping user experience, wrapping technology and business process optimization around that is something that could exist at an enterprise scale to make it easier for people. So really starting to dig into those spaces too. Um, but that's, that's sort of the nuts and bolts of the team. We brought in a content director to start thinking about plain language and uh, making things slightly more exciting. Um, we're daydreaming about fellowships called the forms that suck less fellowships because there are so many forms that are challenging and things that need to be better for our residents and businesses. And there's just, um, there's no shortage of opportunity for us to have some fun. Yeah. Um, and I also want to circle back around to something you said, you know, right off the bat um, with, you know, not knowing what to expect. Right. Um, so what was surprising to you when taking this job? I mean, you're like chartering a brand new government office, right? I'm sure there are some things that came up that were a little surprising. So what were some of those? Yeah. So I think it's twofold. I think one part that really surprised me is I guess I came into this knowing that there was a lot of legislatively driven things, but Pennsylvania is an old state. So not only do we have legislature, but we have 
piles and piles and piles of statutes and documentation that need to be uncovered. And they're all very well intentioned, but it's so big and it's so much to learn and figuring out how all of those things can collide. I think I maybe was a Pollyanna underestimating how big that was going to be coming into it. Um, and I think the other side that has been a pleasant surprise is that I think walking into a position like this, it can be easy to imagine that people may be afraid, may not be excited about the opportunity to take advantage of this uh, or this type of working. And we have been so pleasantly accepted into the government framework. Um, there are agencies that are basically just saying, we've never had the time to think about things like this, or we've never had the resources or bandwidth or capacity to do it. And so it's not ever a no, it's how can we work together to get there? And how can we get to yes, to make this really successful? And so that's been really exciting too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, you just talked a little bit about like the legislative side of things, but, you know, of course, being appointed by the governor, you work a lot with the executive team. So talk a little bit about that and how they're, you know, helping get uh, digital services at the forefront for for priorities. Yeah, so it's a great balance. I would say my office sits in uh, our office of administration under IT and then also with uh, dotted line direct report into the governor's office. And I think it helps with visibility of the challenges that exist in order for us to get to the end state vision. Um, personally, like I, if you asked me to write a line of code, it would be like very simple HTML. But where I think my role is really important is connecting the dots and storytelling of how technology needs to be built in a way that can enable the goals of the executive branch. And so when we come to the table and talk with the governor and his staff about the need to make it easy to log in, the need to make it easy to go to one place to apply for benefits and understand what you're eligible for. Um, he knows that that is really important. Governor Shapiro knows that we need to get there. His administration knows that we need to get there. But then bringing back those priorities to the Office of Administration and our IT colleagues, it's a different story. It's, okay, now we need to get into the weeds, into the tactics of how we get this over the finish line. And so I think it's been really helpful because I've got a lot of really smart people around me that can say, historically, this has been why we haven't been able to move the needle forward. And it's been incredible because when we hit those blockers, we have executive support to come back and say, what are the things that can change, can't change, are things that we've always done the same way or are legislatively driven? And then how do we unpack a project plan that sort of takes into account the level of effort to change those different types of blockers that have historically existed? Um, but overall, I think our governor is wildly supportive of making this easier and understands the importance of it so much so that his wife is even sponsoring like she is our host for user experience research listening sessions like she gets it he gets it uh and i uh i think amongst states we are incredibly fortunate to be funded and have the full support of that of that group yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you guys are not lacking in the in the support department with his wife being on board as well. Um, that's pretty unique. 
Um, but you know, you, you also talked a little bit about the boulders and, you know, the things that are getting in the way of moving the needle forward and with every state being so different, um, at least within our coverage and having to like, you know, uh, pay attention to those nuances. What are the challenges in Pennsylvania, particularly that are unique to the state with getting, um, you know, digital services more accessible and closing the divide and these, you know, access to services and things of that nature? Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I kind of look at the landscape of my team and where my team sits and also how where my tiny town is and how that relates back. Pennsylvania is a huge state. We serve such a broad base of constituents. I mean, when we look at Philly and Pittsburgh, even Harrisburg, we've got more of an urban market. I live next to Amish families, Mennonite families. Um, and so, and there are underserved populations that live in broadband dead zones. We've got folks that don't have, may have access to internet where they live, but can't do it by any other means than working off their phone. I mean, I, it's not that every state doesn't have a broad base, but we really have such an incredible diversity in the types of individuals that we have to support. And so from our team's perspective, we're a digital experience office, but I think when we look at those cross experience consolidations, that's where we can help serve people the best. Um, and the administration has a lot of other work going on, scaling broadband, getting access to devices. But when I think about it, I imagine a world in the future where if someone is in a financial crisis and they need to be able to access services, it's our job to make it easy for them to know what benefits they are eligible for and make it simple to apply either on their own or through proxy at a community agency. And right now they have to navigate to so many different portals, make different accounts. Um, and so I think in order to make things more accessible from our context, bringing those experiences together and making it easy for someone to have a one-stop shop for what they need to get done with government is downstream helping make it more accessible for them to get what they need. And there's a lot that goes into that, but they've hired a very stubborn executive director. <laughs> so um, I have faith that in the next several years, we're gonna make some serious progress there. Bouncing off of that, um, what are the things that you're most excited for that are coming up? Is there anything you can share that is, you know, maybe coming down the pipeline in the next month, year? Yeah, so we have a few products that will be coming up in uh, 2024, early 2024, um, because everybody loves a good January 1 deadline. Um, uh, and I can't give too much detail, but I, I will say that Continuing to streamline the application process for government services is something that's really top of mind for us. And I mentioned the like tongue in cheek forms that suck last fellowship, but I think forms in general are something that's really top of mind for us in terms of digital experiences, because it's the root of so many of the interactions that folks have with the state. So um, we are taking a keen eye to all of the different forms and applications that exist on PA.gov today and thinking about how we can make it easier and more intuitive and that the downstream experiences of like what happens after I've submitted this information into the abyss um, can become 
become more real. Um, and so we've got several products planned for Q1 of 2024 and looking forward to talking more about those in the future. Brianna Pardo, Executive Director of Code PA, Pennsylvania's Digital Services Office. You can read more about her and digital services at statescoop.com and at links in today's show notes. Massachusetts is joining the growing list of states investing in identity and access management to drive digital services growth. Jason Snyder is the Commonwealth CIO. He tells State Scoop's Jake Williams about his priorities and plans for identity management. Well, our, our biggest priority is clearly cybersecurity. We want to make sure that we're in, that Commonwealth of Massachusetts is kept protected. Uh, we're doing a lot with the Mass Cyber Incident Response Team, which is a partnership between us and the public safety. So that one's absolutely critical. And also reducing our vulnerability management issues with cybersecurity. The, I think the other big thing is the digital roadmap. That's the idea of really providing an integrated view of our websites from a citizen perspective. And that one is involving a foundational identity management solution and then all the data integration that has to exist. And so when you look at a roadmap like that, and you said that foundational identity management solution, I, I mean, I think increasingly we're seeing more and more states lean on identity to sort of drive some of the digital services work going forward. How, how does that look in Massachusetts? So that is our goal. Our goal is to have a, a single identity because that will allow you access to, you know, the same identity you used to access RMV is the same one you'd use to go to unemployment. That, that's our vision. Uh, it's going to take some time to get there. We've just rolled out. Uh, the single sign-on for identity, uh, single sign-on for unemployment, and that's a, a major win. We'll continue to work across the different applications. We're going to time it to when applications made changes or, or new implementations. I think that will probably the, be the most likely approach. And then how does that factor into your overall digital strategy, right? You talked about the, the roadmap for, for digital services long-term, but but sort of what is that, that big-picture vision of how you can over that length of time sort of modernize and, and, and change digital services for residents? So really, we, we want to create this, this you know, single portal, if you will, right, where everybody goes in and they can see specifically what's happening and that we can use AI and other things to provide notes to them like, hey, you should go in and, and do this. You're eligible for this. You're also eligible for that. So really thinking about what a constituent would need, what they'd want to know, and providing that information for them, and then managing their experience throughout. Uh, another, we get a lot of status type questions, so providing a very easy page of showing your status for your different requests. So you mentioned AI. Obviously, it's it's kind of the talk of the town. It's 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 on top of everyone's minds and and, and on their priority list as well. Uh, what are you thinking about when it comes to AI in Massachusetts? So so we have two angles that we're really focused on. The first is we want to make sure that economic development. Uh, is occurring with AI and that we're thinking about making Massachusetts innovative and, and using AI for innovative ways. It, it really begins with that. and That's a very uh, offensive approach versus defensive. <laughs> uh, and, and so we want to make sure that we're encouraging the innovation in Massachusetts with AI. The second part is what we can do with our, within our state government. And with that, we've worked and identified a series of use cases through surveys from our state agencies. And then those use cases in partnership with Northeastern will have students in-house working actively to develop AI uh, 
uh, solutions for the Commonwealth. And so that, that's that's cool. The the partnership with Northeastern is interesting. I mean, you come from higher education, uh, but right before this role, you know, what is the the role of partnerships like that in in sort of driving the future forward for an agency like yours? I think it's so critical for us to have partnerships with higher ed and also other vendors as well. The fact is, they're out there in the marketplace learning the things that we need to learn. I can't pretend that I know everything that's going on. I can't pretend that my team knows what's going on. But if we actually build those partnerships and build that collaboration, we can figure out what's happening and predict where we're going and provide that kind of guidance. And then going back to, you started the answer to your first question with cybersecurity. Uh, again, it's that top priority. I think it's 12 or 13 years running for NASIO. It's been a top priority. Uh, what's, what's sort of on your mind nowadays when it comes to cyber? I think the key element is our municipalities. They're at risk. I can tell you that in the nine months I've been there, we've seen far more incidents associated with municipalities than we had within state government. And it's really a matter of scale. If you think about it, the municipalities, they don't have the number of resources. They don't have all the different software products that are required. And so they're struggling. And the attackers know this. And so they're, they're attacking the municipalities endlessly. And so we are working to build within our program that has protected the Commonwealth so well, something for the municipalities. And what, is that, what does that look like? I, I believe it was Massachusetts that actually for the, a long time has had an office. Ma- Mass IT had an office focused on municipalities. So, so tell me more about that. So, so, yeah, we have so, so yeah, we have an office, the Office of Municipal Affairs, I think it's called. <laughs> um, and they actively work with all the municipalities directly. Uh, Susan leaves that team. And then we we're also, we, we've had the cyber grants. And when we did the cyber grants, we did it in partnership with the municipalities. We're also expanding the use of the cyber incident response team so that they can provide services for municipalities. So we've actually, I, I met with the municipalities last week and I, I told them, if you're having an incident, you should contact us because we have the contacts with the vendor community. We have the contacts with different part, uh, partners like the state police, uh, like the FBI. Uh, like CISA, that you may not have. And so working through us can help make your experience a terrible, a cyber instance, a terrible experience. You're hitting something that you probably haven't prepared for. And we have, we've done this before. So we can help them be successful through this terrible experience. That's great. And then lastly, you know, sort of looking forward, uh, it's about six months between now and the next NASIO conference, so the next time that you and I will chat like this. Uh, what can we expect from you over the next six months? What do you want to have told me that you got done? I think one of the, I think one of the key areas I want to focus on is our workforce development. Uh, so we, at Massachusetts today, we have entire teams, so entire services that are eligible for retirement today. So right now I have a situation where an entire team that could randomly decide, we're retiring. And at that point, we can no longer really provide that service. So there's significant risks there. So we've been actively working on hiring uh, to try to build up these teams. But we're not able to hire at the same experience levels that the people who are leaving at. And, and we can't afford it even. And so we're hiring people who are you know, fresh out of college. Or we've also seen a lot of success with the mid-career shifts. And the mid-career shifts, we've gone through programs like Apprenti, where a person will say, hey, I'm... I'm I don't know, I've worked for 20 years in this other thing, I want to try IT. We're bringing them in, and so they're coming with less experience. And then in tandem with that element, we've built up a training program and a mentorship program. 
And so those areas and that implementation will be what's happening over the next six months. So hopefully in six months, I'll have a success story about what we've done with workforce development. Okay. Jason Snyder, CIO for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. You can read more about him as well as identity and access management at statescoop.com or at links in today's show notes. North Carolina is focused on completing its broadband mission and connecting all households and businesses to high-speed internet. The state has made phenomenal progress on the effort, according to Jim Weaver. North Carolina's state CIO. Weaver tells Jake Williams about the progress made so far and what's next. Well, Jake, first off, it's great to be here. And secondly, uh, since the last time we got to talk at NASIO mid-year, my priorities still remain pretty much the same. We're very much focused on completing the broadband mission, addressing the digital divide uh, in North Carolina, making phenomenal progress, over 147,000 households getting connected right now, over 4,000 businesses getting connected as well. While that's all good news, we got more work to do to get North Carolinians connected, but without connectivity, we can't talk about things like digital transformation um, and other things along those lines. Secondly is um, we just came out of a legislative session. Our state now has a budget and some significant investments are being made both at the governor's request and the legislature's funding of cybersecurity. Um, so we're, there are things that we need to do to shore up our posture. A little bit more, as you know, the evolving threats that continue to be seen are globally. Um, we just now have, besides the conflict in Ukraine, we now have what's going on in the Middle East as well. So we're at heightened sensitivity to what may be coming our way in North Carolina, and we want to make sure as a state we're prepared. Digital transformation still remains a, a top priority. Um, we are looking at ways of how do we engage our North Carolinians differently um, in trying to provide better service and opportunities to them. And then lastly, as we talked about before, um, along with cyber, is privacy. Um, our General Assembly uh, agreed to go ahead and fund some of our positions that we requested in our Office of uh, Data and Privacy. So my Chief Privacy Officer, Dr. Sheree Givens, is ecstatic that she's going to have some staff finally once we get them hired, but we can go ahead and continue to rock and roll on, on some things, and especially as we look at what generative AI is going to bring to the forefront in the future. So, so, so much there to, to dive in on. Let, let's talk first about broadband. As you said, uh, with the support of the legislature and the governor's office, you're expanding broadband. I think you said 147,000 households. That means I'm a good listener. Uh, what, what does the timeline look like now? I mean, where, where are you at in terms of the big picture goal of getting everyone connected and, and sort of what's the timeline look like going forward? Well, it's actually two threads. So first and foremost, back in November 2021, excuse me, when we got our initial state budget, um, the first one that Governor Cooper signed during his administration, uh, the legislature uh, agreed to make about a, a little bit north of a billion dollars available for us in ARPA funding. Uh, that has been really focused on a, f a few primary areas, our great grant program. Uh, continuation of that, that had been something that's been in place for a while in North Carolina, but was never at the funding levels that we now have. And, and, and so that was our first priority was to look at the $350 million that we had allocated for that program. We've been able to go ahead and basically award that money, uh, consummate the contracts and agreements that need to be occurred. But more importantly, this is not just a one way of money going out our door. Our, our ISPs, our telecommunications vendors have invested $187 million of their own money back into the state as well. So it's a win-win. And again, just shows that continued partnership with our vendor community in North Carolina. We also have a um, uh, continuing access to broadband where we're partnering with our counties. If they're leveraging ARPA funds as well, we will continue to cost match with them and continue to help drive down that cost. We have fixed wireless programs. 
um, things of that nature. But we're also focusing on digital equity, literacy, and education. So that's a big area for us. Um, $50 million was set aside for digital equity. Um, we're really working very hard right now with anchor institutions, with community centers, centers of influence to go ahead and help drive uh, some of that opportunity. Because the last thing we want to do is get people connected on the digital highway for them to become victims of the digital highway. So we want to make sure that we're taking care of all North Carolinians. On a po more positive note, however, is North Carolina received over $1.5 billion in bead funding. Uh, initial projections at the, at the time that NTIA announced bead, we were around $800 million. So our team has worked very hard in working with, through the FCC process of challenging uh, FCC data. Um, we did extremely well. Um, and one of our showcase projects here is our NC1 map um, in the uh, CIO recognition category, but we are now leveraging our GIS capabilities. This information is coming from our, um, our counties as part of our 911 call center efforts. So anywhere that 911 center will dispatch an ad or a first responder to, that address information is coming in through us and it's also being leveraged in our broadband program. And so it's interesting when you start taking a look at from county to county, you can start seeing what some of the barriers are to uh, connectivity. It's not always not having access to fiber or, or connectivity. In some cases, it's economic issues. In some cases, depending upon the gender or maybe the racial subdivisions of the county, it could be lack of equipment access as well. Uh, so now we're able to start tailoring programs specifically to target more effectively those communities to get them connected. So, so broadband access is one of those things that sort of permeates a bunch of different priorities for you, whether it be digital literacy or digital equity, as well as digital services. Um, obviously, there's a cyber component there as well. Um, but, but it's also one of those things that sort of branches out of the traditional IT part of the organization and, you know, makes you have to collaborate with other entities in state government uh, around projects and, and services that, that, that is, that's all included in that. How do you see that collaboration working across the state government? And, and what does it enable you to do for, for the administration? Well, this is one thing where, the, first off, there's bipartisan support for this. So this is not uh, caught up in political rhetoric, if you will. Um, everyone recognizes the value this brings. And as I uh, said earlier today in the panel discussion I was on, um, the one, what's the one project that um, you're very, very proud of? And I mentioned broadband because we are impacting the next generationals next generations of lives in North Carolina. This is, this is something we can't afford to get wrong. Um, we're at a point in time where we're enabling the next generational workforce. We're enabling the next opportunities of education. Um, and we're enabling businesses to become digital and get online. And that's a force multiplier for them when they can begin to, you know, mom and pop storefronts now being able to work across the country and sell goods and services a lot differently. So this is how really has, and then we've been also with the, the funding that we've had, we'd also been able to help other areas uh, when you think about our anchor institutions, public library system, uh, some of the schools and things of that nature, it's really been a great outreach program. And it's also given us an opportunity or some inroads into some local communities where we may not otherwise have had success going into those communities and having a conversation around this topic. And then sort of looking forward to the next six months, again, we seem to talk about every six months at one of these conferences. Um, you know, what do you hope to have done the next time you and I chat? Well, in six months, I'm very hopeful that we continue, again, we're leveraging effectively the funding that we've been able to get through the governor and through the General Assembly on cybersecurity and making sure um, we're, we're doing what needs to be done. 
Uh, Governor Cooper has approximately 15 months of the administration left. Uh, he's term limited, so I have a specific amount of time to get a lot of things done, uh, to set a solid foundation for the whoever the next administration is, making sure that um, I'm, I left North Carolina a little bit better than when I found it. Jim Weaver, CIO for the state of North Carolina. You can read more about him and broadband in North Carolina at statescoop.com or at links in today's show notes. That's it for today's show. You can subscribe to the Priorities Podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcast. While you're there, be sure to leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. That small extra step helps more people like you find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm Sophia Fox-Owell. Thanks for listening.